Season 4, Episode 1 of the Actual Fluency Podcast with Shannon Kennedy talking about introverted language learning. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Actual Fluency Podcast. I am your host, Chris Roholm, as usual, and this is the fourth season of the Actual Fluency Podcast. You're listening to the first episode, and the break is over. I took a few weeks off to recharge, record some new interviews, and uh, yeah, take a little break to uh, get back on track. So it's May, which is exciting. The tough months are over, and now we're going to enjoy late spring and uh, summer. And I'm uh, here in Budapest. It's a lovely time. All the restaurants and all the cafes have put out the chairs and tables outside and people are having a good time. I see a lot more tourists now than over the winter. Anyway, so what's new? Yeah, well, um, it's a full season. So obviously things change. And the big change that I've done recently is that I've started to invite people to apply to come on the podcast because I've realized that as a sort of you know, I guess I'll call myself shy or maybe introverted, which I'll come back to in a minute. It's kind of hard for me to invite people onto the podcast that I don't already know about. So I, it's hard for me to just invite random people, even though they might have a great story. And I thought, well, why not just let people apply to be on the show if they believe they have something worth sharing? You know, ideas worth sharing is one of the foundations of this podcast. So if you are sitting out there and have a great language learning story or Maybe you learned a lot of languages or you learned them quickly or you learned them in a special way or basically anything that has anything to do with language learning. If you have a, a, a way to tell that in an interesting way that the audience of the podcast would enjoy, well, apply now at actualfluency.com forward slash guest. And this isn't really a, a formal application, you know, it's I'll, I think I'll probably talk to anyone who fills out the application. It's just a way for me to get a little background info on you before we do the actual interview. So, what's on the cards today? Well, I've got Shannon Kennedy from Eurolinguista. Uh, that's probably the best English pronunciation I can give. Um, and she's been blogging over there for a while now, and I've been incredibly impressed with her productivity and the sort of quality of work she's been putting out. And we are talking today about introvertedness and language learning, because for a long time, the, the kind of I, suggestions in language learning have been about well just go out and speak just talk to people early you have to speak from day one and this is you know mostly come from from bloggers such as Benny Lewis other people have said it too and when you're an introvert it's really hard to just go out and talk to people and I'm definitely introverted and I often talk about it on the podcast how uh, if I go down to the subway around the corner I'm like 50% of the time I order in English even though I know all the Hungarian words just because I'm nervous and and shy so Talking to Shannon today about that topic is was really cool, and also the reason we talked was because she's reali uh, released a new course and guide on the topic, and in partnership with Benny Lewis. So I found that pretty cool that Benny sort of took the criticism on board that he was being he was catering way too much to extroverted people, or his advice was way too extroverted. So he actually sort of connected with Shannon, who's an introvert and a good writer at that. And they produced this together. So it's released under the Fluent in Three Months name, but it's actually Shannon who's put most of the work into it. So I'm really excited to to present that. And if you listen to this episode on the 1st of May or on the 2nd of May, uh, this is uh, there's a deal going on on that course where they're selling it for less than half price. Uh, actually, it's a $100 course, which is a very common price point for these kind of things. But if you buy it within the next day or two, not only is it half price, you also get Betty's other course, Conversation Countdown, uh, included. So that's a good deal. If you don't want that, it's 37, which is, I guess, uh, closer to 40% discount. But I mean, uh, <laughs> not 40%, 60% discount. Um, so that's pretty cool if you want to pick up that. If you are like me, an introvert, and you really struggle with that old uh, advice of just go out and speak you know no problem and it's really difficult so i really enjoyed recording this week's episode with shannon 
and I hope you enjoy it. Oh, by the way, yeah, if you want to check out that offer, uh, go to actualfluency.com forward slash shy, and that's the offer you can find there. Or you can also find more information about this at actualfluency.com forward slash introvert, where I'll list these different options. But I think it's really cool that, that Benny kind of went and said, yeah, I can see how introverts might struggle with this. So I'll talk to someone and cooperate and getting an actual uh, a fluent in three months product out that kind of addresses this issue. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. And what else is new? Well, back new season and better than ever. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in uh, to the new season and for, for listening to all the other episodes. And if you're new to the podcast, well, this is where we motivate and talk about language learning every single week. Well, most of the weeks anyway. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for listening in and enjoy this interview with Shannon Kennedy. All right, we're ready with another episode of the Actual Fluency Podcast, and today I've got Shannon Kennedy on the show. How are you doing today, Shannon? I'm good, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. And today we have tons of exciting topics to talk about. But first, why don't you let the listeners get to know you a little bit better and tell you how you got into language learning and how that became your passion? Okay. Um, well, as you said, my name is Shannon, and before... All this language learning thing, you know, this whole thing happened for me. I was first and foremost a musician. I am a saxophone player and a vocalist. And that is what I do professionally. So I work in the music industry. Um, the reason that I really got into language, I mean, I've always kind of had language in my life. But when I really got into it was actually while I was at university. And as a mu musicology major, we're required to have a fluent reading ability in German, Italian, French, and Spanish, as well as English. And so I started studying those languages in order to work with primary sources as a part of my research. And then when I went to do my master's degree, I actually did a bunch of field work in France and uh, in Ireland as well. So uh, I really kind of got immersed in language and reading, you know, sources in various languages and things like that. Almost all my research was in French. And I started to realize how much I actually really liked languages. So then I spent all of my free time at school in the language section of the library reading everything that I could. And it was just a passion that stayed with me after university. So that's kind of how I got into it. Wow, that's really cool. And it, it reminds me of uh, another musician I had on the show, uh, uh, he was a an opera singer so he also said that they had to do a good pronunciation in a few of, of the romance languages so i guess that's a good segue into language learning to to get that almost a crash course in all of them i guess because i don't suppose they expect you to master the pronunciation in any way or how does that work um, well, I didn't actually have to deal with speaking at all except for French because that was my focus. Oh, okay. Um, and then Breton as well, actually, but that's a completely different story. Um, wow. <laughs> but for a German, Italian, and Spanish, I didn't have to be able to speak or understand the uh, verbal language. I only had to be able to read. Oh. I didn't even have to be able to write. I just had to understand everything that I was reading. So it's a little bit different. How did you attack that task? <laughs> <laughs> um, just read a lot and use the uh, dictionaries and uh, and things like that I did a bunch of independent study I worked with uh, course books and things like that I had tutors as well um, prior to actually starting my degree so that I could get a jump start on, at school and then when I was enrolled in school uh, I took supplemental courses in each of the languages and I did my um, European framework certifications as well for each of them wow is that was that a, any tactic behind that, or just would you just like to see where you were? Um, at the end of the course, we were actually required to do oh, wow. the exam. Yeah, sounds like a pretty serious course. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> where they had to test it afterwards. So, so you went uh, in. How how long were you in France for? Um. I have family in France, so I actually go back all the time. But when I was actually doing my oh. field work, I'd go for a week or two at a time on several occasions. Okay, so so you've had roots or uh, connections to the to the French language for quite a while, then. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And 
how did you continue after school? I, I know you've been working a little bit on, or a lot on, on Mandarin lately. So, so can you tell us the, the bridge from going to, I mean, it must be quite different to learn languages when somebody's saying you have to do this and then suddenly you're just, I want to do this. Well, I think in school, actually, um, I mean, I do have experience with someone saying that I have to learn a language because I, I you know, I took languages in school like everyone else. And it, it really didn't work for me. I was the kid that kind of goofed off in class and didn't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, when I was around 15, I think the, for the first time, I actually decided like I wanted to learn this specific language. And I had a friend who was actually from the Philippines, but she grew up in Egypt and then she moved and I met her and she spoke fluent Arabic and I thought it was so cool and that um, she spoke another language that and one that I didn't know a lot of people who spoke and so uh, I started taking courses to learn it as well and it was kind of our secret language for a while. Of course I've forgotten everything since then but that was the first time I actually like chose to learn a language and I think when I started university and I got back into it you know, that passion, that interest kind of came back. So even though I was doing classes and studying it because I needed to, I really enjoyed the process. So I didn't feel like I was forced to do it. And I actually um, would even meet with my teachers outside of class and things like that to work on extra things and, uh, you know, just to more fully experience the languages that I was learning. And um, while I was in the library, at my school, I stumbled across a Croatian course book, and uh, I have a grandfather who is from Croatia, and I had never seen a learning resource for that language before, and so I checked it out, and then the length of time that I was allowed to have it expired, so then I'd go back to the <laughs> library every single day since I wasn't allowed to check it out again to spend more time with the book while I was there because no one else really had any interest in that language. and. Um, I, I just really fell in love with Croatian. I loved the way that it sounded. And um, so that, you know, was kind of like my side project in addition to the languages I was learning in school. And I continued doing that when I graduated. That was the language that I stuck with. And so I started to pick up other course books and things like that. But when I left school and I didn't have a teacher kind of telling me what I needed to do anymore, I had no idea what I was supposed to do. <laughs> So I made the mistake of, you know, going to the local bookstore and just buying everything I could uh, on the languages that I was learning to try and maintain them. So I ended up with a bunch of books that just kind of sat on my shelves and collected dust that were of no use to me. And I don't really remember how I stumbled across the online community, but you were actually one of the first language bloggers that I discovered. Oh, wow. And it was your post that you had written on uh, being a lazy language learner. <laughs> I was like, that sounds so much like me. Um, so, you know, and then through you, I found out about some other bloggers like Benny and things like that. And I started to see some of what they were doing. And I realized I was going about it completely the wrong way. But a lot of the advice that was out there, I didn't really want to do because I'm shy. I'm an introvert. I don't want to go out and speak from day one. I don't want to talk to strangers. I don't want to jump into conversation. I just wanted to stay in my little corner and study and read books on my own and just hope that, you know, I'd start speaking the language. But that it, it you know, I just I could read. I could understand. I couldn't speak. And so I kind of had to change my approach. And um, when I started studying Chinese, I began working with a tutor via italki for the first time. And um, I realized that that was working so much better for me than when I just tried to do it all by myself, because you really can't do it by yourself. You know, uh, language is meant to be used as a tool for communication. And uh, if you're not communicating, you know, you're kind of missing out on a huge, you know, the uh, part of the point of learning a language, you know, other than reading uh, books written originally in a language to enjoy them the way that they were originally conceived or, you know, film, music, things like that. So, um, well, you have a very thick accent. Uh, I've heard some people who are just into reading and, and, you know, you obviously can't blame people for having having that interest. But it's funny when they start to speak, they have the most perfect grammar. They know a lot of words and then they just have the thickest accent of wherever they're from because they've never <laughs> heard the language actually being spoken um so yeah that, i have to say that 
when I started speaking, I often felt like my tongue was just this lead weight in my mouth that <laughs> didn't want it to do what I needed it to do. And as a musician, that's really frustrating because a lot of our training is all on muscle memory. So you train your hands and your mouth and everything so that they're coordinated in movement and in creating what you need to create to right. produce music. And for language, it was just that was not the experience that I was having. And I realized that, you know, if I wanted to get good at speaking a language and if I wanted to do more than just read books <laughs> or watch movies, if I actually wanted to talk to people, which I mean, ideally I do, um, that I needed to actually train my speaking muscles, you know, just like I would do for music. So I needed to, you know, kind of overcome my natural tendencies to succeed as a language learner. And so my methods started to change a little bit, but, you know, it wasn't until I really became aware of what other language learners were doing and what was working for them without the guidance of a classroom that you know, things really started to take off for me. And I really started to enjoy it because I started to have little successes that, you know, just kind of kept propelling me forward. Right. And what, what kind of advantages or benefits did you take from your musician background, if that's even a thing, <laughs> uh, your uh, experience with uh, the musical arts? Uh, what, what kind of elements did you use when you started learning languages seriously? Were there any pronunciation tips or tricks that you found easier? Like, uh, I know that, for instance, Mandarin is a very, uh, well, it's tonal, uh, but uh, I mean, the pronunciation is very important for understanding. Did you could you bring anything of that to help you in your language learning? You know, it's really funny that you asked that question. I wrote an article a while back, kind of about um, a similar topic. And when I first started studying language, uh, to me, music and language were in completely different parts of my head. But when I kept getting asked the question, like, does being a musician help you learn <laughs> language and stuff like that, I started to really think about it, and I was like, you know what? they're not so isolated um and it's not necessarily like music itself that helps me learn a language i mean even as a musician i do listen to music and other languages but i wouldn't say that that's something i actively use as a study method it's just something that i do for pleasure to enjoy the languages that i'm learning but there are certain things that i did to learn music that i you know uh, subconsciously applied to learning languages, you know, similar techniques. Um, one that I, you know, I, I do all the time is, um, you know, when you prepare to go perform, for me as an introvert, you know, that performing, <laughs> being on stage in front of a bunch of people, I have to do mental preparation in addition to, you know, preparing the music and things like that. And so I kind of use those same techniques before I go into a conversation with someone um, on Skype or through HelloTalk or whatever. And, um, you know, some of those techniques help me. And then also, you know, being aware of some of what goes into learning music, like muscle memory and things like that, that, also, that knowledge has also helped me when it comes to speaking a language. Um, being a musician does help with tonal languages because you do hear the change in pitch. You have the training for that. Right. Um, I don't know if I would say it would help me produce them <laughs> sometimes, but I, I'm a little bit better at hearing them. Um, Which but... is the first problem because, I mean, just taking from my Russian experience, uh, when I was learning Russian, I still am, but uh, when I was doing some tutoring, my tutor would correct my pronunciation and she would say do you not hear the difference between this and this and I'm like no that's the same word <laughs> and so well, half of the problem with pronunciation it seems to be that if you can't hear the difference you can't really produce the difference right yeah no I agree and um, I'm with you on Russian there are some things that I honestly cannot hear the difference so <laughs> teacher will say it the way I'm saying it and then say it the way it's supposed to be said and I for the life of me but right. that happens when you haven't heard a sound before it's not familiar to you you don't hear the difference and over time you will eventually but yeah no you're right um like with music there's all these different methods of practice that you can use you can use um reading where you actually read music and there's um a technique called sight reading which is where you take something you've never seen before and you read it which would basically be like taking a text in a foreign language and then reading it for the first time and seeing how much you comprehend without going back 
you know, to go over things, you know, just do a quick read through without stopping, without taking notes, without, you know, highlighting what you're having an issue with and just seeing how much of it you understand overall. So um, that's a technique that works both for language and music. Um, you know, there's, there's just like a lot of different things. And, I, you know, I'm a really firm believer in taking skills that you use to succeed in certain fields and taking a minute to think about how you can apply that to something else that you're doing. So regardless of what you're doing, whether it's music or it's art or it's um, sports, even, you know, the training that goes into doing athletics, that if you really think about what you do to succeed in those things, you'll find techniques that you can use to succeed at other things. You know, it may take a little bit of creativity to adapt them to language learning. But when you really look at other things in your life, you know, and and when you succeed at one thing and you're good at one thing, that's something that you enjoy doing, whether it's sports or music or whatever. You know, the things that you do to succeed at them, you tend to pick things that work based on um, your learning uh, how you learn and um, what you enjoy. So why not take those things and apply them to something else? Because then it'll make that something else just as enjoyable for you. Right, exactly. And it, it's a very good piece of advice that I hear every now and again. And it can't be said enough that people who are saying, oh, I get bored of reading Harry Potter in Swedish. And I'm like, do you read Harry Potter in English? And they're like, no. <laughs> I mean, if you're not reading in your native language, why do you think it's going to be enjoyable in a, in a foreign language? You know, that's just going to be torturing yourself, basically. Um, so, I mean, that is just a, a, a great advice and something that I've been guilty of because I, I don't know if you feel the same, but when you kind of look around for materials to study with, there's so much on the teach yourselves, the colloquials, the essay meals, and all these book-based uh, methods. And you just start to think, well, if all these successful polygods are using these books, they must be good, right? And I, I think to a degree they are. And textbooks might be a little bit different from actual uh, literary books, but it's no wonder people get stuck in them. Let's, let's put it that way. Well, just because a resource is good does not mean it's good for you. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I'm a huge fan of Asimo. I love Asimo, but I understand that there's people that it's not going to work for. So, um, and Pimsler as well. I know people don't like Pimsler. They think it's too slow, but I spend so much time in my car commuting to concerts <laughs> and things like that, that uh, Pimsler just works for me because I have to concentrate on driving. I need to be a safe driver. So I can't have something that's really involved or that I'm not going to retain later on. And Pimsler, it, it's repetitive. So, you know, I get the right amount of exposure in order to move on to the next lesson. Right. And while I'm only half paying attention. Pimsleur is, is definitely, I would say, an acquired taste. Uh, personally, for me, I have used, I've listened to all 30 of the first Russian calls. And I, I must admit, some of the times when I was listening to it, I had to actually walk around. If, because it was, if I was sitting down on the sofa, I would actually start to doze off. So, I mean, it just goes to show that it, different uh, tools for, for different learners. And that's another problem with uh, well not a problem but it's something that if you're just getting into language learning and you're listening to this now is you have to be inspired by what other people are doing but there's no such thing as copying other people's method you have to sort of figure out what works for yourself and you have to just try everything yeah and the reviews they help you know because there are methods out there that are just absolutely horrible that it's not worth you know, spending time with them. So if someone who's successful at language learning has, you know, support or has, um, I guess, uh, endorsed a product in a way by writing a good review of it, that's pretty, that's usually a decent indication that the resource is worth taking a look at. But, um, you know, what, what works for one learner, everyone has different learning styles, everyone has different interests. So what might work for one person won't necessarily work for you. And you just kind of need to learn what your style of learning is and what where your interests fall and then use those to tailor the methods and resources that you use to study. Exactly. And you before you were just talking about how you changed your method after you started researching the, I guess, the top, you were learning about learning as we all do. Uh, and can you just give some examples of how you learn languages today compared to 
back when you were doing it yourself in, in school? Okay. Um, okay. So for example, with Italian and German, I had um, a couple of different workbooks that I would just studiously follow along chapter to chapter, page to page, and complete the exercises and read all the little dialogues and introductions and grammar rules and segments. And that was what I did. It helped me read because, you know, I was building my vocabulary and really the only thing you need to be able to read is a basic uh, understanding of how the grammar functions and a pretty significant vocabulary. So um, that worked for me, but as far as doing anything other than reading, it didn't necessarily work. Mm -hmm. So when I realized that I wanted to do more than just read in the languages that I was learning, uh, I began, I still focused on vocabulary because vocabulary is important. You need to have the words to express what you want to say, even if the grammar is not totally correct. So I, I definitely lean towards vocabulary over grammar now. Um, so I use Memorize to learn vocabulary, and I also use Italki to take lessons. I don't do language exchanges so much. I, I do them on occasion, but I prefer to work with a tutor because it's someone that I can meet with regularly, get to know, and um, they tend to offer you uh, criticism in a way that you know, is a little bit more informed because sometimes when you talk with a native speaker and you do something wrong and you ask them a question like, why is it that way or something, they can't answer you. And I like to know how things work. So yeah, yeah. I ask a ton of questions about why, that, you know, that start with the word why. So um, I work with tutors and I occasionally post writing entries on Lang8. And um, I also really like Fluent You because... Um, it's basically just native language content videos such as commercials and music videos and things like that that they've done interactive subtitles for. And I really like working with those. And then you can take quizzes at the end to test on the vocabulary and grammar that were in those videos. Um, and I also can still work with course books because the course books kind of give you a direction to go in and they introduce things in phases based on difficulty so it, it's kind of like a framework or a guideline for me when i'm working through a language right and they also often have dialogues which are very useful at, at various stages so you can when you meet people out in the wild so to speak you can yeah can use some of that uh, instead of sometimes the vocabulary can be a little bit off uh, for instance pimsleur i think is notorious for having a very travel oriented uh, vocabulary which is great if you travel a lot um, but or if you have uh, if you're like the average american i think that's what pimsleur is made for and i always made fun of the lessons where it's like you and your two kids are on their way to their hotel room and where you meet a, a russian woman or something you know and it's like i just it's so far away from a, a sentence i would ever use i mean by the time i would need that sentence i would have forgotten it <laughs> you know decades yeah. ago. So, yeah. um, so that can happen too but i definitely also sorry, they tend to be designed for male speakers <laughs> so the responses like um especially for russian and croatian which are two languages i've done with them the default response is if you are a male <laughs> which yeah. i'm not so i end up like I, I mean i understand that i need to understand what a guy is saying when he says to me because the words are going to be slightly different but it's just for me it's frustrating a little bit because i'm not a man and i won't say those things yeah exactly you would never use that sentence so it's completely irrelevant irrelevant for you and the counterpoint if they added the 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 sentences for the women then it would be irrelevant for the men so it's like (laughs) either way you end up with some uh, i guess surplus vocab that you can't really use for anything but Right, but you're going to get that from any resource because no resource is perfectly created for you. So right. there's always going to be things that you don't find useful and then there's not going to be enough of something that you do find useful. So, I mean, all of the different resources that are out there, um, you know, they're just a starting point. Yeah. And then you need to take responsibility to kind of go further and find the things that you need to say and understand what you want to say and understand. Somebody uh, actually proposed a, a new, I guess uh, I guess you can call it a tool, a new language learning tool. Um, they would, what they told me was I, I should send them, or maybe it was from my blog or something, but they would basically translate 
stuff that I'd written in English into the target language I was learning, like Russian, and then they would insert it into flashcards. So I would be learning about my own life and my sentences that I would I already have used in the target language. So that could that could be a very interesting avenue uh, to explore in the future. Personalized vocabulary learning that could be fun. I don't know how that's going to work in practice, but I was just thinking when you said. Uh, it's ne- it's never one hundred percent tailored to you, and and one of my friends actually recently proposed the exact idea. <laughs> that would be really interesting. I, it might be hard because when you just pop things into a translator, the accuracy isn't always super great. So it'd probably need to be done by someone who has a good understanding oh, of yeah, both sure. the yeah. source and target languages. So it. it could be pricey but i mean if if that's something that you can't find elsewhere i would definitely see the value of investing into something like yeah, that we'll see we'll see how far they get with it for, i think for now it's just a, a little idea but um hopefully that might come to fruition and uh vocabulary it's funny i it's been a big when i started learning languages i didn't really think the vocabulary would be so important because I, I i would think oh, okay well if you don't understand the grammar how can you understand what people are saying um just with the words but now that i'm totally at the other camp i'm thinking like what do you need grammar for you know if uh i for instance the goldless method is something that i haven't really explored myself but i talk to some of the people who do it a lot and they say you know if you know the all the words of a language it doesn't matter you have if you have no idea about the grammar because of course there'll be times when you you won't be understood particularly perhaps in slavic languages or complicated <laughs> languages um but in english for instance i mean benny made these examples off the time all the time that he would just go tarzan mode you know just me go toilet of course people understand that and um, but he hasn't hasn't got any grammar in there he just said literally three words out of the dictionary um of, of course you should learn some grammar at some point but i think the argument is is fantastic and I'm also in in completely the same boat, and I think that problems in languages when you speak to people, uh, failure to understand or failure to produce language, is almost always a consequence of a missing vocab. Uh, It's very rare that a communication breakdown is because you can't remember the conjugation of, I don't know, (laughs) third person, genitive, and males, and Russian. I, I so, so agree with you. Whenever I've found that I've I've gotten stuck in a language to speak just because I didn't know the words that I needed to know to get close to expressing what I wanted to say. And, you know, in schools, everything is so grammar focused, yeah. you know, and every level's like staged around these different grammar points that you have to learn, you know, milestones that you have to achieve in grammar. And I think, you know, <sighs> grammar is great and it's you need it eventually, but I think it's something that you kind of learn naturally as you get started. And once you have the vocabulary and you start putting it together, but you have those base words, then you start to learn the words that you need to kind of connect them or the cases that you need to apply to them to make them make sense. But that comes with, you know, speaking to other people and hearing how they say it. And then it comes from actually knowing the vocabulary to know what to do with it, you know? So I, you know, I agree with you because before, you know, having learned in school, everything was like, oh, I need to learn this grammar rule and I need to learn this tense and I need to learn, you know, the gender of all these words and stuff like that. But, you know, I have French family and the kids in the French family, they mess up the gender of words all the time. Yeah. So it's like, well, if they're doing it, then I guess it's not that big of a deal if I do it. And it's not even kids. You know, I've heard adults use the wrong gender for words as well. So, you know, and, uh, you know, that kind of brings me to the point where... You know, people, they they expect to speak their target languages perfectly and they get frustrated and then they don't speak and they don't go out and use it and they don't do things because it's not perfect and they're embarrassed that it's not perfect. But when you really think about it, I mean, just in our call so far, I've caught myself making mistakes in English a few times. (laughs) Me too, me too, me too. (laughs) And that's my native language. So if I'm going to mess up a language that I've been speaking my entire life, why would I be afraid of making mistakes in a language I've only been learning for a few years. So Yeah, let's explore it, that because that's yeah. I think that's an interesting interesting point. Because I, I suffer from the exact same thing. And actually I've told the story before of how bad it was. It was so bad that once when I was talking to my tutor, I would have Google Translate open at the same time. So sentences that I was 
thinking about speaking, I would actually double check them through Google Translate. I know that's not entirely foolproof, but if Google Translate didn't give me any errors, I would not know better. You know, if if it said this is this looks correct. Uh, grammatically, if it didn't suggest any uh, improvements, I would say it. And of course, there would still be mistakes in it. But it just shows you this sickening perf uh, perfectionism. You know, just say the damn thing. Just say the damn thing. And if you don't know the gender, just guess. Just pick any gender. You know, uh, most of the time you'd be surprised how correct you are because it's intuitive. And well, it's not intuitive, but you know, it's in your brain somewhere if you have learned it at some point. So your first Im yeah. impression or your first guess is probably going to be correct most of the time anyway. Well, that's what we do as native speakers as well when you think about it because you grow up hearing your parents or whoever speak the language that you speak. And so basically you're modeled kind of after what you hear them saying. Of course, later in school and as you read and as you take on your own interests, you develop your own kind of personalized vocabulary. But I can tell you with French, um, <laughs> I used to repeat things that I heard my family say all the time around my friends. And... I would get made fun of for them. <laughs> it was like, uh, I don't know, someone always used to say something in French along the lines of like, like, oh my, like, if you're hungry, you'd say how hungry I am. Or it was, I don't know exactly how to translate it. But there was one time I was out with my friends and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, let's go get something to eat. And so I said this phrase that I had heard so many times in my head. So, of course, I think it's just a totally normal thing to say, because in my family, it's a totally normal thing to say. And I said the phrase and the, my friends just started laughing hysterically. And they're like, listen to how she talks. <laughs> they're like, say it again, Shannon. And then like. I was just so embarrassed, but you know, you just, you, that's what you do. You model, you know, what you hear in your native languages based on what you are, are, you know, hear around you. And so you should do the same thing with your target languages. It's a natural way to learn them. And even if it's not totally correct, you know, it probably will be more correct than if you think about it too scientifically and you don't get it out at all. Right. And being correct is actually not that important. I, I think I used to think probably, but now it's more like, is it going to be understood? And if it is, I'm totally happy. You know, it, it, that's the point of communication. Uh, the point of communication is not to produce 100% grammatically correct sentences. It, the point is just to get your inner brain, whatever, thinking translated into human speech. And you do that with your native language automatically. But with your target language, you need to have a lot of practice with it before you get into that sort of automatic phase. And between on that path from nothing to perfection, which I guess you can't achieve anyway, but let's say along a lot, lot of the way anyway, um, you will make a lot of mistakes. And without making mistakes, also sometimes you might not even, you might not know that you, you're making mistakes. You know, if you don't have a tutor or something like that, if you don't actually say stuff, they can't really give you feedback on it. So if you just sit in silence instead of trying to say the sentence that you were missing the gender or you forgot the, I don't know, third person conjugation of a verb or something, you know, if you just say the sentence, I'm sure you'll be you'll be given feedback. I mean, I have that's my impression from most of the people I've interacted with in, in the foreign language. They would be happy to to point out if you made a mistake. And if they don't, you know, you've succeeded in successfully communicating. Oh, I agree. I think that, you know, native speakers will let a lot go, too, because as long as they understand you, they don't care about correcting every little error. Right. But once again, you're successfully communicating because even if you made an error, they understood you. And that's right. really all you want anyway. So, you know, it's I mean, I do suffer from the perfectionism syndrome and I do want to speak the languages that I speak as well as I possibly can. I mean, that's part of why I continue to work for them or work towards, you know, getting better at them. See, there's an English mistake right there. And, <laughs> um, you know, so that, you know, wanting that desire to get better, that desire to improve, that's a, that's a music thing for me also. You know, I don't ever see myself as having arrived at being good enough in music. I always know that I can be better. Right. And so that, you know, that drives me to continue to work on it and to continue to improve. And it's the same for languages. So I know I'll never be a perfect speaker in my native language or in my target language, but I want to be as good of one as I can be. So, you know, I keep working on it. Right, and back to the native language thing. I mean, we're not perfect in our native languages. We only have 
you know, I, I don't know how many words they say are in the English language now, but, you know, most fluent speakers won't know more than 20, 25,000, they say. And, you know, if you can't be perfect in your native language, which is the one you've been using all your life, then it's very ambitious to suddenly think that you can do it in a second language. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's good to work towards it. It's like the, the carrot at the end of the stick, in a way, where you, if you keep improving every day and you can do this with english if you're an english native speaker you can learn vocabulary for sure i mean if you're in a technical field if you're in a i don't know business environment i guess even musical uh, environment I, i'm sure you could say english words to me right now and i would not have any idea what they meant. Uh, so i mean that's what i mean when i when when people say the the thing that you know i want to be perfect or you know, I, why I want to be perfect, I want to speak perfect French or whatever. And it's just unrealistic and, well, impossible, I guess. Uh, and also because the language changes all the time. Uh, some changes are smaller than others, but by the time you you got to, let's say you want to learn 150,000 English words, which I don't even know if, if it's possible. I mean, I, I like to think that the brain can do anything we set it to, but if you did learn 150,000 words after that many years of doing that there would probably be another thousand <laughs> new words uh, so the, the list constantly expands in, in other words um, but anyway I I, I, I I totally agree with what you're saying and I'm, I'm glad we can we can talk about these things because it's it's the, the points that are worth repeating uh, over and over basically uh, and even as someone who's interviewed lots of language learners and i've heard many of these concepts before having them repeated really works because of this concept of you can get the right information at the wrong time and then it won't make any difference to you but if you keep getting them repeated to you at some point the brain is going to be like hmm wait a minute now i've heard this five times then there must be something to it i mean we're very suggestive uh, people <laughs> so so just having these good concepts repeated is is really worth it i think I think, too, with, you know, issues like perfectionism and things like that, these are internal struggle, internal struggles that we kind of have. And so they're not something that we actively talk about with other people. So when you hear that, you know, someone else deals with this, too, you, you don't feel so alone in in experiencing that and I think that's important too that it, as language learners that blog and that have podcasts like you and I it's important for us to talk about our struggles as much as we talk about our successes because if we sit there and we just say hey look you know I passed my Chinese exam after only a year of learning language and hey look I did this and hey look I did that that's great but what's more important is the process that got us to that point and the struggles we had getting to that point that we share a little bit of that too because I mean we're not perfect and <laughs> you, you know we we struggle with things and I think it, it's important for uh, people like us in our position you know sharing kind of what we're doing that we talk about those things as well and that we're, we're transparent in that for sure and that was part of my motivation for starting my blog back in the day to a little over two years ago because every single other language learner would always be talking about they would always be talking about the successes the wins and it's very natural if you're doing a blog that's called how to learn chinese of course your, your blog post is going to be how i learned this how i did that how i did that and it's not going to be like how i didn't do that <laughs> so it, it makes complete sense but i'm happy that we're sort of uh, turning the tide a little bit and showing that you know what you can be a terrible language learner and still have a lot of fun with it and you will still learn a language a lot faster than you thought you could because most people have the wrong idea that they can't even learn a language to begin with let alone in six months a year or whatever long time you want to you want to put on it but the fact is just that you can with the right mindset and that's that's what we want to show basically present the struggles as much as the I actually think the struggles are more fun now than the successes but obviously since I am the one struggling that's not so fun but <laughs> at least writing about it makes me I guess it's a way of processing and it helps other people so that's that's good but that brings me to an excellent segue oh sorry 
Oh, no, you actually said something that I think is really important. You said that you can still have fun with language, even if you're not the best language learner. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that is so important. I mean, having fun with it is the best thing. So if you're learning a language that's not working for you, you know, you switch languages or maybe you switch techniques or you do something. The important thing is to have fun with it. And you don't have to be the best and you don't have to be the fastest. Right. You know, it just needs to be something that's enjoyable for you. And I mean, music is the same thing. I mean, look at how many people perform music and do music and participate in music in some way compared to how many of those people are actually professional musicians who make a living from doing music. You know, stuff like that. It's not so much about the success and about being the best and about being, you know, a celebrity language learner or musician. It's just about doing something that you really enjoy. And if you enjoy learning languages, you shouldn't be pressured by, you know, being the best. You should just do it because you like doing it. Right. I totally agree. And but the problem is sometimes that there is a, a bias in the in the people who are going to write about learning languages are usually the people who are quite good at it. Uh, that doesn't go for me, but you know, a lot of the blogs <laughs> before I came along were ridiculously good language learners. I mean, we're talking Luca Lamparello, Richard Simcott, uh, Connor Klein, uh, Jan van der Aar. I mean, these people are very talented people, and I'm sure most of them wouldn't admit to that. But I've seen, I've met them several times, and they are very talented uh, players in the in the language learning and. So there's a bit of a bias, or at least there used to be, of where the people reporting all the language learning would be very good. And then if you're reading it and you're thinking, wow, Benny Lewis learned, uh, I don't know, French in three months. It's like, why can't I learn French in three months? I must be stupid. But there's that bias in the, in because, you know, he's sort of done that for a while now and you know he's at a different point of his language learning you can't also compare yourself to somebody who's learned 10 languages already and you're learning your first you know that's a completely mm-hmm. different experience and you can dra- you can draw on all the cognates you can draw on the you you kind of know what words are important and you know what's not important like my kids and hotel numbers and stuff like that but <laughs> <laughs> so, so that the comparison game is very uh, bad. And actually, Chris uh, Gillibo, you probably heard of him. Um, he wrote a, a Facebook update the other day, and I'll be sure to include it in the in the show notes um, into this episode. Uh, but he wrote basically a Facebook update saying like the curse of comparison or something and how toxic it is to compare yourself to other people um especially people who are at a very different stage in in whatever field i guess it's the same with musicians if you compare yourself to someone like i don't know who's a top uh see this is where my musical (laughs) interest really shows um who's a really good uh, lady gaga whatever she's quite popular right um it would be quite uh, you couldn't expect to do the same as she has done after she's been doing it for however many years. I mean, she's a hustler, right? Like many right. of the top musicians. So she's well, I think hustling for a the, long time. I'm oh, sorry. The comparison game is just a horrible game to play because we're all our own unique people. Right. And, you know, even with something like music or language, you know, even if you're at the, like, the same age, the same number of years of experience, the same instrument or the same language or whatever, um, you can't, it, it's still not an apples to apples comparison because you're going to use different strategies. You're going to have different interests within the language itself. You're going to have different goals for learning the language. And all of that needs to be taken into consideration. So when you go and you look at someone like Benny Lewis or Luca or Richard Simcott or, you know, any of those learners who are really successful at doing what they do, um, y- you can't compare yourself to them. No. And, you know, these are also people who have done this for a long time and it's primarily what they do. And maybe you have a family and a job and or school or something else is going on and you can't invest the same time into it that they can. So, again, you can't compare in that way either. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree. But getting back to the blogging and writing about it, you have a website, very nice website. Um, can you just give me the... The uh, pronunciation, the usual everyday pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's the French way of saying linguist, so it's also linguist, and it's Eurolinguist. Okay, uh, good. I was was, uh, trying not to get into some weird... uh, pitfalls of linguiste or something (laughs) 
It's <laughs> good as as somebody who's only studied French uh, briefly, then uh, that would be scary. But what made you start uh, blogging and and writing about the experience of learning languages and and travel? Uh, I started doing it um, under a completely different name um, when I was in university, but I mostly wrote about my experience in university and what I was studying and things like that. And language was a part of that. So I occasionally wrote about my experience learning languages. Mm -hmm. And um, when I graduated, I kind of stopped doing it. But then I started again uh, a few, maybe a year or two later, I think. Um, But it was really all over the place. I literally wrote about everything. Like DIY stuff, and even when you go back into the archives on Eurolinguist.com, which is what it's become with the name change and everything like that, you can see kind of how random I was. I've been trying to clean up the blog a little bit to bring the focus in. Um, So now I mostly write about uh, basically you could say language and culture because travel, food, and things like that, you know, it's all kind of culturally related I suppose um, so I write about regional recipes so I do recipes from different parts of the globe um, I also write about my travels because as a musician and then having family abroad I get to travel quite a bit um, and I often even joke that I do music for the travel <laughs> <laughs> and um, I also write about my experience learning languages my successes and my failures and I share what I've learned because when I started out doing this whole thing, I had no idea what to do. And so I hope that, you know, in sharing some of what my experience has been, that maybe I can save someone some of that time that they spend not knowing what to do and that, you know, maybe I can help get them pointed in the right direction a little bit sooner. Right. Does it give you any sort of, uh, is there any therapeutic benefits or a reflection? Uh, like people say it's very good to keep logs of what you do. Uh, do you feel like it, it helps you sort of view the, the, the world or the things that you do? I believe that when you teach someone else how to do something, it in return makes you better at doing that thing as well. Because when you understand something enough to explain it to someone else, Um, that really shows that, you know, you've started to grasp something as well. I I mean, I can't say I'm an expert on anything because I'm always learning about music, about language, about, you know, just being a good person every single day. So, um, I, I mean, I don't claim to be an expert, but I just want to share my experience because one, it can help other people. And two, because it helps me better internalize it myself. Right. Of course. And, you know, you don't, I don't think you need to be an expert either. I mean, there's there's always going to be people who are at different stages along the journey of multilingualism or, I don't know, culinary perfection or something. Uh, so it, it doesn't matter that you're not an expert. And I guess this goes out to anyone listening who's thinking about writing about their experiences, traveling, learning languages, or whatever you're doing, you know, don't you don't have to be... Uh, the best in the world or even close to it to have interesting opinions or or features I think a lot of the time the interesting points come from people who have gone over the the early stages the early troubles and are now sort of good in the middle and trying to find out how to become better how to optimize how to be more efficient and and things like that so you know you could you could be coached by somebody who like richard who who's learned who knows how many languages he doesn't even know <laughs> whereas you could coach someone who's only starting learning their first language or who's learned a couple of languages but are getting stuck so there's always like this path right that you don't need to be an expert for sure i agree Definitely. I mean, you only have to be at a slightly different stage than the person who your audience is, I suppose. So. Exactly, and it's just motivation, anyway. I mean, if, even if I'm, even if I'm reading articles about the struggles that I had ages ago, it's still motivating for me to re- read about how other people are, are coping with them. You know. Yeah, it's a fresh perspective. That's definitely true. Exactly. Ideas worth sharing. Uh, basically, it's always it's always useful. And one uh, thing that we uh, we skipped over a little bit, I guess, uh, but we'll get back into it, is um, 
you talked a little bit about your learner profile earlier, that it's um, the introverted learner profile, which I also am, and uh, that brings about its struggles, so particularly when a lot of the advice today is about, oh, just go out and speak to people and learn a few <laughs> phrases, you know? And I'm like, I've been to this subway right next to my house here in Budapest about a million times, and I've ordered in Hungarian about 200 times, so I know every single word and I know how to say it, but sometimes when I go down there and I try to order, I'm just like, uh, and I come out and, and change to English. So it's definitely a real thing, this identity of uh, introverted versus extroverted. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. Like I'll mentally prepare myself to go practice or there's going to be a train in a moment. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Um, I mentally prepare myself to go out and speak and use this language that I've been studying and then I'll say something the person might not understand me or I won't even get to the point where I say something because the situation was a little bit different than what I had anticipated (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like nope forget it okay I'm just reverting right back to English or you know to French or wherever I happen to be when I'm trying to do this (laughs) and uh, (laughs) so I'm totally there with you and it even took me forever to work up the courage to even get to that point so um yeah, me too you know yeah yeah because a couple years ago i couldn't even imagine speaking to strangers but i had a um because this is something i kind of had to work through f- through music as well because i can't be up on stage looking like a terrified little girl <laughs> when i'm supposed to be entertaining people and um it was something that i really had to work on with music so that was something you know another thing that I was able to take from music and apply to language learning because if I could do it for music, why can't I do it for language learning? And um, I actually had a music coach a few years back who, you know, told me every single day I had to go talk to a stranger. Cool. And it was, yeah, it was. It didn't have to be a big, long conversation. Like I just had to do something little, like maybe compliment them on the shirt that they were wearing or the watch that they had on. And if it turned into a conversation, then that was fine. But if all it was was me giving this person a compliment and them saying thank you, that was fine too. But the point was just to get used to talking to people that I didn't know. Right. And um, that actually wasn't that long ago. So it was around when I was interested in languages as well. So I was able to kind of apply the same thing to language. I can actually tell you about a specific time that I did it. I was out with my mom shopping for clothes. And there was a... group in the changing room next to us of a mother and two daughters who were about my age and the mother was trying on different clothes and they were speaking Chinese and I was probably standing there for a good 10-15 minutes before I finally worked up the courage to say something. Um, but I did. So the mother came out in one dress and I told her in Chinese that I thought that that dress was pretty. And um, I'm actually really good friends with one of those girls now. So you just never know what's going to happen. And if you have the courage to just kind of step outside your comfort zone as an introvert or as someone who is shy, you know, you'll be surprised, I think. Yeah. And it's funny. This reminds me totally of what happened just last week for me. I was at a at a party or actually not a party. Well, it was a party or two, I guess you can say. We just having a beer at the local pub and next to me there was definitely two guys speaking russian like i was 100 percent sure and i was like i'm really trying to learn russian so if i don't go over and speak to them i would ruin the chance i mean it's not every day i hear russian around here it's not like it's completely uncommon but it's not often that i'm in a setting where you know, you can just casually walk over and talk to people and it's in a bar, you know, so people are always cheer, cheery and you just say cheers or something. That's a good icebreaker. And uh, so it took me also a good 15 minutes or something and probably another beer to just, you know, work out the courage to go home and say, uh, excuse me. And then I said, just cheers <laughs> in Russian. And and my friend who was there, he's actually uh, a Danish Russian, so he speaks it also. Um, but... And then we had a nice little conversation and I realized how terrible my Russian was. But that that's not really the point. It's not about how you perform after you went over and talked to people. It's more that you actually did it and you did say something in Russian and they were really, they said, wow, you speak really good Russian. I didn't understand half of what they were saying, but my sentences apparently came out somewhat. Um, but it was terrifying, of course. But once I'd done it, I felt on top of the world. So it's uh, it's not to be underestimated for sure. 
Exactly. And that's, that's a perfect example. And I think actually, you know, kind of to use you as an example, sorry, Chris, you know, you said that, and actually for me too, because now that I realize what I said earlier, um, we both took a minute to kind of gear ourselves up to make that first approach. You know what I mean? So you needed your extra beer. I needed another 10 (laughs) minutes just standing there. Um, but you know as an introvert that's something that you have to do because for us social interaction can be really draining yeah and so we need to prepare to go into it you know to kind of save up energy or and then also when afterwards you know we need some time to ourselves as well because that's how we recharge and that's something that's important to think about so it's even though the advice is geared towards introverts and it's like hey go out and speak go out and speak go out and speak go out and speak talk to strangers talk to the waiter at the restaurant if you hear someone speaking your target language on the street you know go and talk to them yeah um that's great but as an introvert you just need to make sure you take that extra step so yeah just take um, a breath and yeah think about it do you th- do you run over the first sentence in your head? Uh, totally. <laughs> I think out. I plan out the whole conversation in my head, and it never ends up that way. But it it helps me because it is in a way it's visualization. Right. And so you know, I also as someone who's shy and worried about making mistakes, it gives me that little extra practice in my head. I've also had um, you know situations where I've done that, and it, it still come out totally wrong. <laughs> Yeah, but, or you you just get nervous and when you're saying it and the pronunciation completely cracks and people are like, what are you saying? Speak English, yeah. man. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, okay, so like let's say you approach someone and you totally botch it. You just mess it up and you say the wrong thing. Sometimes, you know, that that's a good thing too because maybe they'll think it's funny and they'll correct you and they'll help you or yeah. maybe it's, it's you know, it what propels you into a conversation with this person. So... Um, yeah, and I think we should also be one thing that I've learned, uh, perhaps in the last few years, is is that we should not be too. I mean, we shouldn't be afraid to make fun of ourselves either. So if we make a mistake and it's a really funny mistake, you know, after you're done talking to the person, you know, laugh about it, have a little, because it's funny. It's funny when you make that mistake, but it doesn't mean that you've completely failed as a language learner or that you can never speak to uh, Russian people again. You know, it's it's <laughs> funny to. to to just be like that guy did not understand a word i was saying and just have a little laugh about it that i mean that's what i think because sometimes we can take ourselves a little bit too seriously and i realize that you know what why do i pretend to be good at russian if i'm really terrible it's better to just assume i'm terrible and then if i actually say something nice i'm gonna actually be in a much better mental state than if i expected to be perfect and then obviously wasn't and then be totally let down about about the experience yeah, no, we definitely can't take ourselves seriously, especially in something that you're learning. I mean, uh, it's, it, you're going to make mistakes, so it's better to laugh at them. Sometimes it's really hard in the moment. I mean, right. we, we have our embarrassments and we're like, oh my gosh, what just came out of my mouth? Like, <laughs> Some languages have traps for sure. Or, you know, false friends sometimes will <laughs> yeah. really get you, I have to say. It happens to me in French. My husband and I actually have a page on my website called the Euro Dictionary, which are ridiculous things that have come out of our mouths because we speak <laughs> two languages so regularly, like where we mash words together. My favorite was one that he actually did. It was the word crumpy. He was trying to say grumpy, but he was convinced that the word grumpy was crumpy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it's just little things like that and it's like and when it happens you're embarrassed and your face turns bright red and you're like oh my god how can I go on with this conversation yeah. or my life or how can I ever speak to another Chinese or Russian or whatever person again and you're like I'm never doing this again I'm so embarrassed <laughs> yeah, right. but instead of using that embarrassment as a reason not to do that again use that embarrassment as something to you know take the steps you need to to be better the next time Right. So. Perfect. And I know, another segue coming up, uh, I know that um, you've been uh, working on a little secret uh, project about especially introverted language learning, shy language learning. So can you tell us a little bit about what this project is about and and, uh, how you've been working on it? Yeah. Uh, I have a book and an e-course that is going to be released at the end of the month. Um, that's April 2016 for people who are listening in the future. Nice one. 
<laughs> and the book is called Say Goodbye to Shy, Speaking a Language the Introvert's Way. And the reason that both shy and introvert are in the title, even though they're not necessarily the same thing, is because the book really covers how to learn a language if you're either shy or an introvert. Right. Because you can actually be an extrovert and be shy, um, which means that as a shy extrovert, it's hard for you to initiate a conversation. But once you are a part of it, you really thrive on the energy of you know, being a part of that interaction. Whereas um, being a shy introvert is someone who both has a hard time initiating the conversation and then having it itself, you know, is kind of takes away energy. And then there's also outgoing introverts who, you know, enjoy talking to people, but they still find social interaction draining. And the book kind of touches on each of those three. Um, So outgoing extroverts, I'm sorry, but you know, you can't create things for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I mean, I guess for them, the, the old advice of you know go and talk to people is very is very much accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, the book basically just covers you know how to use your strengths as an introvert or as someone who is shy to succeed at language learning, and it's actually both a book and an e-course. So. So you can go through it at your own pace and study each uh, chapter, each uh, each uh, section. Exactly, and you can digest it the way that's most comfortable for you. So if you prefer watching video, you can watch the video e-course, and if you prefer reading, you can read the book, or if you kind of like a little bit of both, there's that option as well. So Cool. So if people are interested in, in that, they can go to actualfluency.com forward slash introvert, uh, where we'll keep a little page of all the information just to uh, make sure that's always updated with the best offer. And uh, of course, I'll chip in with anything I can I can think of would provide you with some extra value. Since I am an introvert myself, maybe I should just uh, include a little uh, of my own experiences. That could probably be fun. But anyway, actualfluency.com forward slash introvert. You can find those that book and that course. And uh, I think uh, that was about it. Uh, so really happy that we found a, a common time that worked and uh, I've been really enjoying this conversation. And yeah, me too. It's a pleasure know, talking to you. I don't know if there's a language learning uh, personality type, but I definitely energize from these uh, talking about language learning methods and concepts and uh, I don't know how that works, but uh, it definitely helps me uh, to energize and, and stay motivated for learning my languages, which have been my learning has been a little bit dubious lately, so that's always useful to get back on track. And um, so I just wanted to thank you for, for coming on and taking the time to share your experiences and tips and tricks with the, uh, the actual fluency audience. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on. It's such a pleasure to, you know, get to actually speak to the Chris Bro home <laughs> and be on the Actual Fluency podcast. I mean, I was like... You're way too it's kind. Really, You're way too it's, kind. it's one of the high points for me so far, Chris. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast. If you want to come onto the podcast and share your language learning story, don't hesitate to apply on actualfluency.com forward slash guest. See you in the next one.